to healthcare disruption? It's you. It's you. Are you ready to join hosts Jerry Durham and Andrew Rothschild in breaking down the healthcare status quo and creating a customer-focused experience? It starts with you. Time to break it. Let's go. Welcome to episode eight of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. Today it's Jerry Durham. I decided to give my uh, sidekick Andrew Rothschild the uh, day off, and goal of going forward is to have Andrew actually do some of the interviews here on Healthcare Disruption. So uh, we look forward to having Andrew back. Um, Today we return to the theme of interviewing people that we believe are true game changers in healthcare and again, healthcare disruption. And, you know, I was thinking over the last week, we can call it disruption, you can call it revolution, you can call it evolution. I don't care. Just kind of that thing of making large scale changes in healthcare that will affect and benefit lots of people. So today my guest is Richard Zhao and I believe he's definitely someone who is a big changer in healthcare. Coincidentally enough, I met Richard Zhao on, of all places, anybody want to guess? Bueller? Bueller? Twitter. Richard is from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and met him on Twitter and was out there about two years ago to meet with the therapy partner boys, uh, Jim Hoime and Craig Johnson, and had some free time. So I reached out to Richard. And Richard and I had originally connected on Twitter, uh, sharing some posts and ideas about telehealth. And um, reached out to Richard when I was in Minnesota, in Minneapolis specifically, and said, let's sit down and meet. And after about five minutes, I knew this was someone that I was going to want to continue a relationship with. Richard is not a healthcare provider. He comes from a uh, finance background and has actually worked for a large U.S. insurer. And very early on, knowing he was not directly involved in healthcare, not a provider, he was a huge proponent of physical therapy. And just, if nothing else, from a pure data side, knew that physical therapy and shared with me his thoughts on this, that physical therapy was actually a nationwide solution to solving not only musculoskeletal issues, but even more specifically, low back pain. And solving it from a financial standpoint and solving it from a outcome standpoint. So I knew Richard and I, and I learned that about him within about the first 10 minutes. So I knew Richard and I were gonna have a, a long-term relationship and we have continued the relationship going and Richard and I, and I'm not going to lie, it's mostly Richard bringing forward these new thoughts and new ideas to me, new for me, and then he and I working out how best to get this into the hands of physical therapists and how best to move the profession forward. So we will be presenting these ideas on October 20th at the Private Practice Section Conference in Las Vegas uh, next month. Again, October 20th, Thursday in Las Vegas at 1045. We're going to roll this whole idea out about how physical therapists can be the entry point for all low back pain patients in America. Think about that for a second. We've all talked about it. We've all thought about it. But Richard's here to say, look, the insurance industry is primed to do this. They want to do this. This is how you approach this. And that's where Richard's expertise really comes in on this. And... Um, Hopefully we'll see a fair amount of you in Vegas in October on that Thursday morning. So this is about a 45 minute 
uh, conversation with Richard and it is actually the longest uh, healthcare disruption podcast we've put into place so far. The information is valuable and I didn't want to stop at any point in time in the interview. So um, without further ado, Richard will do some introduction to himself, but enjoy listening and feel free to reach out to us. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Disruption with Jerry Durham. And as I have mentioned today, my guest is Richard Zhao, who I will be speaking with in October, just a, what, about two weeks away from when this finally posts, um, October at the Private Practice Section Conference in Las Vegas. He will be my speaking partner. And uh, many of you probably think hell has frozen over because I have befriended someone who's actually from the insurance industry. but. Uh, just so you guys all know, he's here for good and not evil. So welcome, Richard. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And thank you, thank you for all your brains on this side and your willingness to help out the uh, profession of physical therapy. Well, thank you, Jerry. And uh, um, hello, everybody. And uh, um, let me introduce myself. I don't believe a lot of people really know me unless uh, you've been into discussion with all the, you know, payers, uh, strategy, um, uh, you know, orthopedic care, especially conservatives versus, uh, you know, expensive procedures kind of stuff. And uh, uh, I came from a background with a big payer in this country. My job was to design orthopedic insurance program. Um, personally, I do some data mining and also I do a lot of financial modeling. So which really just design an insurance program that will be able to save money and also be able to put patient on a more of a conservative care and more some, you know, try to avoid risk, future risk for, you know, um, uh, over utilization or very expensive procedure, but also patient don't benefit from it. And so we, I can give you a little bit of background, but I cannot give you a lot of detail because of those information, you know, very confidential. And, but I can tell you the methodology I used. Um, um, I, I analyze all the medical claim data for three years episode. So just remember, we're not only looking at like uh, just one time visit, we look at the first day patient going to the MD's office for office consultation. After three years, some patient don't even, you know, do anything and some patient end up surgery. So we analyze all the medical claims, all the, you know, different providers and also the different uh, HMOs from cost, from all the aspect of it. So that's, uh, then I summarize the financial model for the big payers say, we do this way, then we can send out, you know, we can save money for the patient and also create a win-win situation for the payer. Then, you know, all the networking contracting team and uh, they asking for help because uh, orthopedic program itself is a standalone was designed because 
uh, is one of the major medical expenditure in this country. So I provide also help for the networking contracting team to really negotiate a price. Uh, for example, big surgery centers, you know, what the price we can compare in the in the same city, metropolitan area, or even come to the same zip code, who has more volume versus the other, who can do a little bit cheaper, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's a, I'm a more of a number guy. You know, sometimes uh, all the PTs in this country that knows me, they, they call me more of a data guy, which I really love those things. And the data, and nowadays, because you guys already heard a lot about evidence-based medicine, which means data, especially in healthcare, you know, on the payer side, is reimbursement data. So to be more specific and more accurate, that's uh, reimbursement data. But in today's healthcare, a lot of things happens outside of reimbursement data, and which a lot of us don't even think about it. So, and a few things, you know, we found out when I was doing this orthopedic program, specialty, you know, carve out program. One thing is the entry point for people. Well, let's, let's paddle back one step. First thing, why we target orthopedic versus the other disease? Because orthopedic, you know, related Healthcare issues cost a lot for Americans. It is the number three medical expenditure in this country, just behind cancer and the cardiac issues. So let me, hey, Eric, uh, sorry, um, Richard, let me interrupt yes. you and just clarify there because I think that's important for the listeners to think about because I don't, I'm not sure even I understood that fully. So you're telling me cancer? No. What's what's number one expenditure for the insurance industry? Uh, either cancer or Heart. Yep. so those flip flop one and two, and then yep. number three is all musculoskeletal conditions. Yep. So we, uh, number three. We, okay. Yep. So our profession is dealing with the third largest expenditure in all of healthcare in America. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. Okay, good. I just want to make sure everybody understands that because yep. that to me, I, I'm not even sure I understood the enormity of that. So, okay, wow. good deal. Thanks thanks for asking that <laughs> yeah. question. You can tell probably I've been working with the number and data and the payer side too long. This has become a part of, you know, it's already embedded in my brain and in my blood. So it just flow out. Just interrupt me in case you need a clarification. Because to me, maybe that's a very, that just one sentence, five minutes conversation with my payer buddies. But uh, for provider side, especially for you know PT, a specialty doctor, probably take time to, to absorb this information. So, so let me throw in one more thing for the listeners, and I'm going to tell everybody right now, is I will allow Richard to use the word reimbursement because you guys have already heard him use it multiple times, and everybody knows I love the word payment. But Richard, with his expertise, I'm not going to correct him. We're going to let him go like this, and then when it's all done, and when you see me in PPS, maybe I'll have him broken, and he will start using the word payment. All right, Richard, continue. <laughs> all right, I love that. Uh, and yeah, so, uh, but I think about the cardiac cancer treatment, how different than the um, uh, MSK. Um, 
cardiac and the cancer, there's, uh, I used to call it a, a COE model, center of excellence, because you need a big famous surgeons to do all those chemos, all this, you know, all the big expensive equipment, like, uh, you know, certain equipment, you know, very advanced technology, millions of dollars. But for MSK, this is what we found out. MSK, the entry point, is so well spread out. It can start, you know, from OB doctor to neuro, you know, uh, internalist, uh, even some orthopedic surgeon can be an entry point. That which tell us, you know, chiro PT all included, you know, which tells patient don't have a good system to follow to really address their, their you know, MSK problems. And within MSK, people have, everybody should remember, spine related is 70% of medical expenditure in all the cases. So, so which- up, Real quick, let's clarify that again for the listeners. So 70% of all the musculoskeletal expenditure is back to the spine. Yep. Okay. That's correct. That, that would mean neck pain, mid back pain, low back pain. Exactly. You okay. know, and um, but within that, you know, the spine, we all know uh, cervical and the lumbar, and uh, you know, as uh, which is the higher the spine goes, the higher the risk. You know, it's it's very risky and a certain uh, procedures. So. Actually, lower back pain, the prevalence of lower back pain, I don't have to tell everybody. It just, you know, 70% of Americans, at least once in their lifetime, have lower back, back, you know, back problem. And this is different than a sciatic. So those a lot of, you know, uh, because it's such a widespread point of entry, let me use it as POE. People, you know, going to listen going to hear a lot of you know times I'll, I'll refer to poe so I, I just don't want to repeat the point of entry anymore just here remember i call it poe point of entry is when the first time people seeking care for their lower back pain problem and one thing i just mentioned about reimbursement data but and also uh, i also work with somebody else did research outside of medical reimbursement data could be part of a payment as well. Patient already paid the money, but we found out even people saying masseuse, you know, uh, acupuncture, all this stuff as a point of entry. So when the POE is so spread out and also uh, Optum Health had a, a white paper published before, a PT only has a 7% of all the POE for lower back pain, which is really surprised to me, you know, because... Okay, uh, let's clarify this again before you talk about why it's a surprise. This to me is, is a huge take home of all this and I want everybody to understand this. So 100% of the people with the insurance company you were working with who had low back pain, only 7% of them found their way to physical therapy. That's correct. That is insane. So that means 93% of the people with this nationwide insurer who have low back pain never make it to physical therapy. That's correct. And then yep. let's think about this for a second, people, at this moment in time. So we're talking 93% of all the insured 
within this one company. So take, as I like to say, the other 100% who never even go see the doctor. So we are talking that there is the, the I mean, that 7% is bare. I wouldn't even call it the tip of the iceberg. It's the tip, tip, tip top of the iceberg. We're not even touching that. So this is back to my point of who is our competition? Our competition is not the Kairos and all these different point of entries. It's ourselves in marketing and getting out and getting these people. And that's a lot of what this is going to be about at PPS. But uh, I jump ahead a little bit. So good. I just want to clarify. So 7% of the people are entering through physical therapy. Yep. And uh, you just, uh, Jerry, you just brought up a very good point because uh, patient engagement, if any of you guys engage in a healthcare startup within the past five years in the United States, patient engagement, you know, it's a huge, huge, very hot topic. Very, very few startup because all the tech people, you know, try to figure out how we be able to engage patient. Now we today we have uh, using Twitter, use text message, all those uh, new technology platform try to engage patient. But to me is patient engagement should happen before the patient's sick care rather than after. After that's called follow up. That's my concept. And also, and the payer try to engage patient, try to put them on more conservative care, more preventive care, which really, actually, I, I agree on that because really, you know, people should think twice before they, you know, being hasty to jump on a conclusion to do an expensive, you know, surgery because, you know, when people did MRI, very possible, you know, they'll be guided by the surgeons to, to do a surgery. Then... We all know that this, the surgery after three years, maybe not even three, I, the cases I've seen from six months to 36 months, how many percent are successful, how many symptoms, you know, patient symptoms come back. We all know that, you know, they're just, uh, you know, anyway, so that's... Let, let me clarify something again, Richard, I heard you say, so you said that the insurer or the insurance industry has actually tried to help steer these people to the more conservative, to the proper, shall we say, point of entry? I would say encourage people. Encourage people, educate people to get more of conservative. So, uh, so I would argue it's not working. Is that correct oh, or what? Am I uh, correct? My standard, my standard is not because okay. patient engagement is such a huge challenge and healthcare in my personal opinion healthcare industry doesn't matter which specialty uh it's a business of trust yeah i love that you know i love you know, that any of my listeners know i love that because i think everything's built around trust because oh, trust yeah. is what gets that person who insists on the mri if they trust you and you say you don't need that mri then they're going to go okay i'm not going to get the mri if they don't trust you that's when they demand the MRI. And I think it really, right. it really funnels down to that. So, okay. Mm -hmm. So good. Yep. Okay. Yep. How, how do you be able to, because that's all the patient engagement I've seen is kind of a not before patient, you know, seeking the first care is more after, after the, the, the office consultation, then all the, you know, all the technologies start kicking in to follow up with people. It's a follow-up. After the first office consultation, then 
to me is the, the point of entries really have a big impact on patients' well-being, patients' medical expenditure, and also payers have to pay to cover that, you know, and the consequences because somebody influenced the patient in a, such a, you know, uh, expensive way versus uh, there, you know, there could be a cheaper alternative, which is also long-term well-being being maintained by conservative care. Patient didn't choice choose, so that's really doesn't benefit anybody. Right now, so again, for the listeners and for those people who are going to be attending PPS or not, this is really where that concept flip the funnel came from. And you've seen me share that maybe on Twitter and maybe Richard, but Richard was the one who first brought this to me. And, and I've seen it other places, but now I understand it better after meeting and talking with Richard is dumping all these people into the funnel, letting them go through the neurosurgeon, letting them go through the MRI, letting them go through the injection. And if you think of a typical funnel, big at the top, small at the bottom, and then that little bit trickles down to physical therapy, which has been proven to be a proper entry point, shall we say, for patients with low back pain. And if you flip that funnel over and you allow the proper entry point, which we're going to argue physical therapy, then you get to manage those people and they will get to the injection when they need it. They will get to the MRI when they need it. They will get to the neurosurgeon when they need it. And that's, you know, that's really think about and run back this and listen to what Richard just said. That's what this is about is flipping that funnel over. Yep. And you increase people, the number of people using conservative care compared to some other, you know, point of entry POE uh, professionals. I would say PT have more medical training criteria in my personal opinion, or some others. And, uh, but PT, I've seen PT, most PT I've talked with, and uh, they're very passionate, uh, very caring about their patients. But a lot of people still uh, think of the old way that 100% MD referral Without MD referral, they just, uh, you know, they're so hesitant to, to anything. And uh, also, say, a lot of the people, you know, don't understand the market condition. A lot of PT folks, compared to other, you know, relatively, the, you know, in the same market specialty providers, don't understand the market being shifting to another direction. And if you guys follow Twitter, so I've been tweeting something that I really care, especially from the payer side and also the Kaiser family fund, um, the high deductible, you know, healthcare insurance program, how popular with the number be increased for the past, you know, five years in this country. And the patient premium from 2010 till 2016 increased 63%. And please tell me, is not material. If, think about it, you put your, your, your foot into the patient's shoes. So if you have to pay out of your pocket just for premium, increase 63%. Not even mention about the deductible. What, as a patient, what are you going to do? 
That's why I use reimbursement rather than payment is because there's a lot of, uh, you know, activities that a patient seeking, you know, go out to look at different provider for care for the lower back pain problem, but are not included into the medical reimbursement system. So Jerry's term payment is a broader, bigger market than only reimbursement. And I strongly recommend everybody going to the Kaiser Family Fund to seek out that, you know, paper because, you Wait know. I repeat that, Richard. The Kaiser Family Fund? Fund, yep. F-U-N-D? Yep. Okay. That's the full legal name of the, you know, Kaiser. Well, it refer to Kaiser. Yep. Okay. Yep. And so there's they, a white paper there that talks about this or an article yep. or, okay. Yep. Uh, if uh, you follow me or Jerry on Twitter, you will find it yeah. because only a few things I, 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 right. I really tweet, you know, right. my topic of Twitter is very limited. So, yeah, so they did a study and when people have to pay more money of their own pocket, first thing I'm going to challenge everybody on, you know, listen to this podcast is who going to make that purchase decision? you probably already have an answer. You know, is that MD? Is that a PT? Or is a patient himself? Because uh, most, you know, high deductible insurance program always accompanied by health uh, health saving account, HSA account, which patient legally treated as a cash. And they do treat it as a cash. That's a market been shifting to that way. And uh, a second thing is, in my impression, I could be wrong. A lot of PT providers should do their homework. I mean, homework means uh, uh, other people give you input, try to help you, try to give their, you know, their, their opinion, their thought, blah, blah, blah. But most time, it's just opinion. Opinion and facts are very different. For example, the direct access state versus a, a, provision, a provincial states. On your state, you know, uh, statute, all those provisions, have you read through it? If you don't, you know, handle those legal research really well, have you hired a lawyer, a special specialty healthcare lawyer, try to explain to you? Because everybody, I keep hearing this, we cannot give treatment without a diagnosis. Then, to me, diagnosis have two meanings. One is medical meaning. That's your profession. I have no clue. To me, diagnosis is ICD-9. Used to be ICD-9. Now it's ICD-10. You know, of course, PT not qualified to give ICD. But do people really questioning what the diagnosis means? Go back. If you... You own a practice or you manage a practice, you haven't done that homework. Then, yeah, if you're willing to pay me money, I can tell you what to look for. But that won't be cheap because opinion to me is just opinion. doesn't reflect the fact. A lot of people so hurry try to sometimes you, you sit down, think through things to be clearer easier, not as complicated. 
And another thing I want to point out, a lot of people really believe, you know, of course, they're, you know, to, to be contracted, to be included in the, you know, insurance network. As a, as a business owner, I wouldn't recommend you it depends on the situation. There's some clinics or networks that have enough geographic coverage, enough PTs and enough volume of patients. Yes, that makes sense. But when you're, you know, independent, you you don't have enough number of PT to be be able to bring, you know, or bring enough volume. Doesn't doesn't matter if you have is a chicken or egg, whoever whoever come first. If you don't have enough volume, I will be able to make up, you know, all your cost. Because the smaller you are, the bigger percentage of overhead you have to pay off which means you have to make up with more volume to cover your cost. If you're contracted, you cannot offer, you know, cheaper alternative. It depends on the contract. Mostly you cannot offer like a either cheaper or more expensive alternative by cash to the, you know, patient with the insurance or even on the market, you know, it depends on some of the terms. And think about it, if high deductible health plan with HSA account, with, you know, which is cash, when the patient make the decision, you know, is that, just think it twice. What's your business strategy? You're going to contract, you're going to stay in the contract. If you're too small, you're not even be able to bargain on the negotiation table on every year on a network meeting with a big payer. If it's big enough, yeah, the case rate is always end up, you know, maybe, a, you know, 50 cents a dollar difference. And you tell me you've ever seen that reimbursement rate going up. It's keep going down, yeah. surely, but slowly every about year. That people, as you're sitting there processing what Richard's talking about and thinking, how does it apply to you? Ask anybody who's been in business for more than one year, contracted, and ask them, find me anybody whose rates increased year over year. I've been doing this 15 years. I've never been offered an increase um, when I was contracted. I was never offered an increased rate. I was always offered a lower rate. Sometimes we were able to negotiate a higher rate, but that those days pretty much disappeared for us about six, seven years ago for us. I'm not saying everybody, but you know, you sign that contract and you're at the whim of you know, a small, you are a small fish in a freaking ocean. And so it's just something to think about there when you think about the high deductibles and the HSAs. And then we all, I've always claimed we're all cash PT because we all take cash. We all are paid cash. But as far as where does you, the payment come from, the high deductible and the HSA programs, they're getting bigger and bigger. The payment's coming directly from the pay, patient for our mm -hmm. services and if we get to them early you know it's all going to come from them because we're getting to them before they've had the, isn't it great i always love getting those patients say yeah my mri uh sorry my deductible has been met because i had two injections in an mri 
and now they're coming to see me for low back pain. And they're excited they met their deductible through an MRI and um, injections. Think about that for a second. Would you, wouldn't you rather reach your deductible by getting the solution first? So that, that's what this conversation is about. And that's, you know, and that's where Richard really, again, as I talked about with flipping the funnel, Richard really nailed it home as he started to have this conversation with me. And I didn't think it was possible for us to do the things he was talking about. And yet Richard brings that third party payer perspective about truly how they want the solution. We have to offer it on a big enough level and in a way that they will notice all of us. And that is that point of entry. That is the point of entry that Richard's talking about. And so it's really what we all got to think about here. Exactly. I just want to repeat that, you know, all the PT have to wear that. Not really, you know, because if you negotiate a case uh, a reimbursement rate with the payer, you'll never be able to win because case is, you know, that's old mentality. If we think how to maintain the patient and the long-term well-being, the less expensive procedure they have due to the MSK problem, the less payer will pay, the more they will like you guys. But you guys have to be really act as a whole. Great point. See, this is the stuff that we need to have beaten into our heads. That is such a great point. Repeat that again, Richard, if you don't mind. Yep. So... Negotiated reimbursement rate by case with the payer, you never win because payer looking you guys as a leader to really keep the patient in a conservative care, reduce the future expensive procedure like epidural injection, disc replacement. They don't want to see that because one injection is 2000 bucks for, you know, PT that you, you, you could have, you know, how many sessions? Well, you're done. You're done before. Yeah. Know, most people would be done before that. Yeah, if you, you know, uh, that's why when we were at a payer side, we thought all kinds of way, give people gift card, you know, for gas, try to encourage them, go conservative. But we're just number people, we're just business people. <laughs> we're, we don't have that credential to, to, to convince people. But you guys do, you guys see patients every day, you know. And you've been through some medical training before, so we don't. I'm just a number of data guy. So I, I would encourage everybody as PT profession because think about this way. If currently lower back pain entry point, you know, POE patient use, a, a, you know, PT as entry point for the lower back pain, only 7%. If the whole profession in this country be able to increase that POE to 8%. Oh, how many people can benefit that from patient for patient and for, for the profession itself as well? That's that that's crazy. Think about that, people, with the number one percent, not ten percent. You know, if and by the way, if it went up 10, 15, 20 percent, there wouldn't be enough PTs in this country to treat all mm-hmm. these people. So this is really, this is really- That's exactly right. We don't have to make big changes here to show that we're a solution. So that's more of a, you know, think about 1% increase out of a 7%. It, 
for the whole profession is about 13% increase. So everybody will be super busy and all the people complaining about they don't get enough business and they're you know, barely above the water, all the problems solved. But people and a PT has to, you know, has to really act as, as a leader. Rather than specialize yourself on a very small body parts. Because when I was doing that, a financial model, I ignore all the rest because, you know, elbow, shoulder, yeah, so what? You know, from financial perspective, from payer's eye, this make the most sense. I save 4% in the spine, you know, then I, instead of I can, I have tried so hard to save 30% on the shoulder and elbow, almost impossible. Right. You know. Yeah, you, that, see, that, this is where, this is why I love Richard because I'm not, I'm, I'm not a numbers guy. Uh, you know, thinking about okay, we're, we're the, we're the practitioner of choice, and then, but I don't know, you know, from that third party perspective. But just think about what Richard said, and again, that's what's so important in his perspective here, and why he's leading the talk at PPS is it's things like that. When that person is sitting at the office trying to cut their expenses, if they cut 1% off low back pain, they've, they've pretty much, they become the rock star oh. employee and they're probably getting a two level promotion, if not more. Oh yeah. On the payer side, I can tell you how much money they spend on this, this team on the, you know, uh, MSK team. We spend just a few of us, all the salary, everything uh, together, design this program. We spend a million a year, U.S. You know, not a Japanese. Just man, to ma- so. yeah, there you go. Just to manage the um, just to manage the MSK. You're saying with with and that's one insurance company in America. Spine, spine. Oh, that's just for spine. spine. So that's just not spine. even all the MSK. Oh, no, Rimanis. No. No, because that's a challenge. Entry points so widely distributed. That's yeah. a that's a really bad for the payer, and also bad for the provider. And you know, and that's why patient engagement is such such a big deal. You know, if you're so small, how you be able to absorb the cost of doing marketing by yourself? Do you have if you don't hire any outside company, you don't hire an you know, office manager or clerk, how many hours do you have as a business owner? Unless you want to give up your life for three to five years. Yep, that's fine. You know, it's a matter of choice. But thing is, you know, a lot of things, if we have successful one, that's just the thing is you somebody like me, I'm good at a data at a number. I just stay at a, a data and number. I like others to take care of other stuff that I'm not so strong with. But say, I, the one thing I like, you know, like somebody like a jury, patient engagement at the front, even I don't know how to do it. I'm just doing it from a logical thinking, from the data analysis I've done, that make more sense versus in all the rest. We tried after the office consultation, after, you know, the patient talked to the orthopedic surgeon. Yeah, you try to engage them. Good luck. You're going to spend 10 hours wasting of your time. That's in the economy called opportunity lost. You could use that hour to treat another patient versus convert and convince somebody probably hardly going to turn around to, to, you know, look for your service. Why do that? It, it, to me, it doesn't make a logical sense. Everything has to be logical to me. 
uh, you know, I'm not that emotional person. Maybe I have a strong opinion, but thing is, engage patient at the front, make a lot of sense, establish that trust. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to head ahead to compete with others. When the patient's really not trusting, you know, they're hesitating to make decisions or the financial situation, they maybe want to look for MD. And it's a two-way, you know, two-way referral we can as a pt not no not me you know you know we can refer to other professions will become but the key is where the you know you guys i keep saying we because i've been talking to pt so much and uh, please allow me use we because that's become a part of my language now and uh, so allow us become the point of entry because with the point of entry, that you're the first person that a patient going to go to, you have the trust, then you have the relationship, then you control. You control the, you know, the, your own destiny as well. Because when patient trusts you, you provide, you know, really some service for the long-term well-being of them. Long term, you will win because patient will, will nobody, you know, nobody, a majority of Americans don't have the medical knowledge to justify who's better than the other, which provider is better than the other. So how you'll be able to do that after they, they talk to others, you even, you know, your, your, your way of service is better for them, but they already have some idea implanted in their brain. You know, why? Why you want to wait? Yeah, let me uh, let me jump in here, Richard, because we're talking patient engagement so much, which I love, and I'll talk eight hours about it, and then at the end of it, someone will raise their hand and say, "Jerry, you don't believe in outcomes." So, some a word we have not used yet is outcomes, and so let me just. And Richard, this isn't a question. I'm going to make a statement because I know we're both on the same page with this. You have to have the outcomes to bring back to the payer. And you're going to have to have the outcomes to be part of this point of entry system. So outcomes are just as important. And I will refer you all to the triple aim. And if you don't know the triple aim, please go to Wikipedia and look it up. I have an excellent white paper. You can, um, awesome white paper that was shared with me. Uh, first off by Jim Hoyme out of uh, Therapy Partners. I have it on my desktop. And if anybody wants that, just reach out to me on Twitter and say you want that, uh, say that you want that white paper. But the triple aim is about reducing the cost of a course of care, improving outcomes, and delivering patient satisfaction. And that's exactly what this point of entry system is all about. So I just want to clarify at 38 minutes and that outcomes are part of that triple aim that we're that we're talking about delivering on because if we do this every insurer will be knocking down physical therapist doors yep. you won't have to go to them they'll come to us i absolutely agree because we you know as a pt as a profession just like other you know providers you cannot hold patients forever there's some providers and uh, you know use some scare tactics, try to keep the patient as long as possible to milk every penny out of them. That's wrong. In payer's eyes, that's wrong too, because you don't want to delay certain conditions. You, you need a, when the patient's condition need escalation, 
they they need escalation period you know pt you know whatever give is how many sessions of treatment if the, the you know the patient just doesn't see the result you know it it doesn't belong to you you better you know when we were the payer we have a very strong clinical guideline. We even predetermine how many sessions we'll, we'll have to see certain functional returns. You know, so those and the patient engagement, the hand in hand, you have to be good enough at what you do at the PT. That's a pre-assumption to me because yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, not a provider. I, I have I no way to judge you guys. I, I say yep. that too, Richard. I'm just like, outcomes are the default. And if it's not mentioned, it is implied in our conversation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And go ahead. You have yeah. a question? So no, 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 no. I think I think this is a good spot to wrap up, Richard, because I know you and I, Richard and I spent um I flew up to Minnesota to see Richard because I knew this talk was important and we spent a whole day and we filled up a whiteboard that was eight feet tall and about what, about twenty four twenty wide? Yeah. Yeah. At least that twenty. Was eight <laughs> feet high and twenty feet across. We filled up a whiteboard in half a day and really got all this content down and figured out really what we were talking about. And that's what PPS um, October 20th, which is a Thursday at 1045 in the morning, Richard and I will be presenting physical therapists as the entry point for low back pain, how to be the solution from the perspective of the third party payer. And you've heard Richard say a lot of stuff on this podcast and a lot of stuff you don't understand. And I would recommend you go back and listen to it again. But again, PPS is really going to be the place where we dig deep into this because I believe in this and I'm betting on our future on this, that we need to get these low back pain people into physical therapy first. Dr. Fritz, Dr. Childs, Dr. Flynn, and there's probably a handful of other people. They've all done the hard work for us people. They did all the research. The Virginia Mason study, the research exists. No research needs to be done on this. We can always use more. I get it. We don't need anymore to move this forward. And we will be delivering on the triple aim, which is a federal mandate, and every insurer in this country will be knocking on our doors. So Richard and I are going to break this down and talk about how to do this in this market and the market of the future. That's the other thing Richard and I did in Minnesota. We really looked at what is the future of this market, not what occurred in the past, not what is occurring today, but what is the future about? And that's what this is all built around. So Richard, do you have any uh, last parting shots you want to throw in? Uh, I just want to give a last sentence, uh, more of a comment or in- encouragement. I would encourage all the PTs in this country to really stand up, be the leader for the MSK problem. So I, I, I've seen too many people that try to stay behind the curtain, they're always waiting, waiting. Things not going to happen if you're waiting. You have to be a leader have the gut to stand up, say, you know, I can treat patient. I can, you know, be the point of entry for the lower back pain. Yeah. You, you got, you said something again. Now I can't let it in on that because you said something again, where we are solving the third largest problem in American healthcare. You guys exactly. realize that we're talking about solving the third largest problem in healthcare, <sighs> not, not an elbow injury, not a, uh, you know, rotator cuff surgery. 
We're really, um, it's something big. And that's what I love about Richard. And Richard, when I first met Richard, I said, I'm going to get you as a presenter at PPS because I thought he really had the solution to this and we all needed to hear this. And Richard was the one that convinced me that the patient engagement part is a key too. So that's how we're doing this. He's still going to have the bulk of the podium and anybody who knows me, it's going to be hard for me to sit back, but um, he gets the bulk of the podium time at uh, PPS because really it's his expertise and it's, it's outside looking in and telling us how the third party is going to approach this. That is the key. It's the golden ticket to solve this problem. So thank you, Richard. I really appreciate your time. Again, October 20th, Thursday, 1045 a.m. Come see us in Vegas. I promise I'll get to bed early Wednesday night, which means I'll be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed on Thursday morning. And Vegas, God bless Vegas. I promise I'll get to bed early. I wake up every morning, every day, going, you're going to bed early the night before that talk. So thank you, Richard. Appreciate your time. <laughs> yeah, pleasure. Uh, that's all my hand. Uh, we're waiting to see everybody in the PPS and in Las Vegas. Thanks for listening to Healthcare Disruption. Powered by Updog Media. Join in the conversation. Tweet at Updog Media at Jerry underscore Durham. And at A Rothschild BT with thoughts. Head over to updogmedia.com for more content.